0: in Rugby Faithful. The A-team is back after a two-week hiatus and boy, oh boy is there lots to talk about. Alex, the Austin Gilgronies have improved to a league-best 5-0 and record. Yeah, and only nice. the, the incredibly
1: uh, stupid and arrogant are starting to talk about this undefeated mm-hmm. season.
0: Yes, the incredibly stupid and arrogant undefeated season. Um, there has been developments on the club side of things, uh, for men's and women's D1, D2, and D3. And there is plenty to look forward to as the season progresses on into the middle stages. Alex. Alex. Catch me up. Last few weeks, we have not had a chance to uh, to sync. What's, what's been going on? I know. We should apologize to the public for leaving them hanging for like th- uh, three weeks, pretty
1: much now. Um, <laughs> it's all been good. I've been watching developments unfold with the professional game. Um, but before we get cracking with that, I think you should let me know what's been happening with the local scene. Because I'll be honest with you, there's part of me that's really rooting for uh, the Valkyries at the moment. I, I think been, they've been getting it done. They've been putting up big scores and uh, obviously I'm a a big champion of the the women's game uh, in Austin. So tell me what's been going on.
0: Absolutely. Well, on the local front, Alex, I must say, um, personally, some personal developments. Um, My girlfriend and I have landed and gotten a house. So that's where I've been the past couple of weeks. So apologies to our listeners out there. I've been a little bit tied up. left you and my good friend Alex here hanging, but um, that's a personal development. I'm back in action now. Uh, action on the field, though. Last three weeks, we have seen uh, some pretty interesting results across the Huns, the Valkyries, the Blacks, the ORC, and the Rod Rock Rage. So we'll start with the Austin Huns. D1, on February 19th, they traveled up to Dallas. Lost twenty eight to thirty nine to the Dallas Reds, real back and forth game. Um, Dallas Reds, top of the table this year, tough team to beat. Huns, um, that's second time they've lost by a very narrow margin to Reds this year. Um, so they lost to the Reds on February nineteenth, but turned around a week later on February twenty sixth and took down Rugby HTX in um, a 35 degree, muddy, sloppy, rainy slug fest that ended with a goal line stand. Um, 24 phases, Alex, the Huns held uh, HTX out. 24 phases on the goal line um, until finally a knock on. So tense, nail biting stuff. That's what we like to nail, see. Exactly. Nail biting stuff. Um, Huns D2, uh, they went to Dallas as well. Um, and played the Reds on February nineteenth, losing and a bit of a blowout, fifty-nine to ten, which is a far cry from their first meeting this season when the Huns d two won by a score of forty-eight to twenty-four. So uh, yeah, Dallas Reds d two really really turned things around there. Um, and then unfortunately, the worst two syllable word in rugby. Happened the following week as the Austin Hans were awarded a 28 0 win after a Little Rock. And here's that word, Alex the F bomb forfeit. Ooh. Yeah, don't no, like to no hear that. To that. No one needs to no, hear no. that. <laughs> yeah, no, no one needs to hear that. Um, so Hans D2, um, they're, they'll play again uh, this weekend. Uh, Huns D3, just one game in the past couple weeks. They also went up to Dallas and also lost 25-22 to the Reds. So Huns, unfortunate the wrong end of a clean sweep up in Dallas. Wow, tough on place scaring, to go, right? Man. Yeah, tough place to go. Dallas um, really rocking and rolling this season. So um, then that brings us to the Austin Blacks. The Austin Blacks D1 on February 19th, went up to Grand Prairie and they won 79-19. to 19. And then the following week, however, at home, they lost to the Dallas Reds 36-26. to 26. Um, And that win catapulted Dallas Reds atop standings um, or into a tie atop the standings with the Blacks. Um, so that's going to come down to uh, probably points difference at the end of the season because those two teams have split one to one. Oh, so, the drama, yeah, the, the tension. Yeah, first first time the Dallas Reds have won in in Austin against the Blacks since 2014. So wow, so um, really, any like, big deal getting it done? Okay, yeah, no fair play, yeah, fair, fair play thing. indeed. Yep, and then. Um, <laughs> Austin Blacks D2 on February 19th they went up to Fort Worth and grabbed a 40 to 26 win um, and then their d2 the following week defeated the Dallas Reds 51 to 10 so uh, Dallas D2 is on actually quite a bit of a, a hot streak here I think that's four or five wins in a row so uh, look out D2 and then Dallas red or I mean uh, Austin Blacks D3. On March, I mean, on February 19th, up in Grand Prairie, 62 to 19. And then the following week, on February 26th, they defeated the Dallas Reds, D3, 80 to 0. 80 0. -0. (laughs) (laughs) Raining scores. (laughs) Yeah, raining scores. So um, it should not go unsaid. The Austin Blacks, D3, um, have won the last two division three national championships. Oh, right. Yeah, fair um, enough. So, yeah. yeah they are, uh, their D three is largely comprised of, uh, former D one guys who, you know, have gotten older, um, don't have the legs to, to do, you know, two right. practices a week and, and the intensity of a D one season. So, right. um, yeah. So to not take D two guys spots, they, uh, they all play on D three, and and that is a, quite a quite a formidable squad. I used to hate that. They- that. I used to hate that. I mean, if I was playing sort of like
1: a second team level, and the team that we were playing, their first team had their match cancelled or whatever, uh-huh. so there was just ringers and just, yeah, oh, oh, you, yeah. And <laughs> you'd, just, you'd get your your backside handed to you on a on a silver platter by these <laughs> bodybuilding youngsters,
0: right. No fun at all. Uh, have you played yes. recently, Alex? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, so uh, I played in those two games with the Huns from the that loss up in Dallas, 28-39. and then the I was I was part of that goal line stand against HTX nice. um, a couple weeks ago. So fantastic! Yeah, that was that was rugged. That was an intense game. Um, and then uh, ORC. They have had a rough go of it the last couple games. They lost on February uh, twenty or February 19th. They lost 45-0 to Fort Hood. And then um, the following week, they lost 12-7 to Alamo City. Um, ORC uh, really struggling with numbers right now. I think they played their last game with just 13 players. Um, and they did keep it close, but... Uh, if you are out there, you are listening. You need a rugby club. You don't have one. You live up in the North Austin area. ORC could <laughs> use some players. Do they call themselves the Orcs? Because they should. <laughs> they, totally well, should. They, they don't call themselves the Orcs, but everybody else does. Right? Okay. that's a cool They're name driving. for a rugby team? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Orcs. So uh... now I believe their actual moniker is the other rugby club outsiders. Because Boston they're outside the city of Austin, Oh, Okay, cool. On the outskirts. Uh, they've lost
1: Fort Hood. Do you reckon Fort Hood have got all those military guys like that is they have to cause exactly? Trouble? Yep, that is exactly what Fort Hood is. Yeah. Uh, I bet. Them. I bet all those military guys are away from the uh, prying eyes of like officers and superior guys, up to all sorts of skull Yeah. Let it. lay they let it. They let it out on the field. Yeah. Exactly. That. That straight away. That sounds like a tough place to go and play rugby.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, my dad actually, uh, say my dad, you know, growing up in the UK, he said that the dirtiest teams that they always played against were the cops. Yeah. yeah. The the police team. (laughs) Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, absolutely. Just, (laughs) Uh, I think it's like a self perpetuating problem where teams turn up and think we're playing the police. We're going to get stuck right into these guys. And so the yeah. police just develop this mentality of get your retaliation in first. But obviously, yeah, yeah. they're all they're not that different from the military in many ways. So I think I played right. against one metropolitan police team once when I was very young, and didn't fancy that experience at
0: all. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah the Fort Hood is not it's not. Yeah, you know, they may not be like the the most technically sound rugby team, you know, across the state, but they are usually usually well built and and rather fit. So it's I bet. Yeah, it's a it's usually a pretty bruising encounter. Oh I liked your shout out. Yeah, if people are looking for a rugby team,
1: go play for the ORC up in North Austin. Yep, um,
0: yep. They Balfrey. could use Lose. Yes, and then on to the Valkyries, who um, are starting to hit their stride. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago um, about how their Division Two side got a much-needed win uh, down against Bay Area. And now the D1 side, after three really close losses, um, finally picked up a win, a shutout win at that, winning Gosh. 36-0 over the Dallas Harlequins. Amazing! Well done, girls. Yeah, well done. Much, really, much needed. I think you know, Alex. You'll know. um, It's tough when you're, you know, you're playing good rugby, uh, but you're not getting the results to to believe. You know that that you're playing good rugby, and I think um, to go out and get a not only a win but a shutout win, where they scored six tries on a really cold, muddy day. I think that. I think that writes the ship and, and gets them kind of, you know, believing in, in what they're doing. So I turn the tide. Yeah. If they turn that yeah. corner, get the heads up, uh, you know, who doesn't enjoy think, a, a big win every now and again, yeah. Yeah. exactly. I think, um, something that that's cool that, you know, Valkyries fans and Valkyries players can, can you know, kind of take, uh, uh, inspiration from is, is 2019. The, the Valkyries women, uh, lost, two of their first three games of the season, um, to Houston, their big rival, um, and then came back, made the playoffs and knocked off Houston. And then they knocked off Glendale and they went all the way to the national championship. So, um, just cause you get off to a slow start does not mean that you can't keep building and eventually make it to the national championship. Exactly. Very well said. Very well said. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll go on to
1: big things this season. Exactly.
0: Yep. And then um, that is that is that for uh, women's rugby. The Round Rock Rage have not played since their 62-0 defeat against San Antonio. Um, this weekend is... The Austin Darby, Austin Huns versus Austin Blacks. All three divisions will be playing each other at Nixon Lane where the Huns play. Hunsfield 4107 Nixon Lane. If you have nothing to do on Saturday, that'll be a good scene. Um, nothing like a good Austin Derby. Blacks looking for some revenge after the Huns clean sweep last year. Yeah, now the weather's
1: started to perk up a little bit. That could be a beautiful Saturday afternoon to sink into beers and watch
0: a few games. Yeah, most certainly. Um, Austin Valkyries, D1, will be at home this weekend taking on San Antonio. Um, ORC, I believe, is off this weekend. And the Round Rock Rage are also off. Okay, all right. Now, Alex... (laughs) We've talked about club. Now, I think but everybody's been waiting to discuss, the AGs 5-0. and oh. Let's just keep talking about them being undefeated, right? Well, <laughs> no one needs to drag up any talk about, you know, how long the
1: Miami Dolphins have been, like, the only teams <laughs> to go undefeated, how no one has gone undefeated in MLR at this point, and how Austin are poised <laughs> to... Grab that title, the first undefeated season. We've basically beaten all the hard teams now. Everyone else should be pretty straightforward.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been going pretty well at the moment, hasn't it? I mean, there's been a few yeah. few worries, uh, a few knocks and bangs. I'm hoping we'll sort themselves out in the week. But, um, yeah, so we've got three games to look back over. Uh, Shall we start with uh, Utah?
0: Yeah, Utah, Alex, we talked about it a few weeks ago before that Utah game. Um, what a monkey on the back the Warriors have been for the AGs really since MLR started. Um, and it really has has to feel good to the team and to the fans um, that not only did we win, we got a bonus point and looked pretty dominant in doing so. Yep, and
1: uh, obviously Utah with team that pretty much kept uh, AGs out of the playoffs last year. Uh, they yep. really did, you know, rack up some comprehensive wins over us last season. And it was so nice to see uh, them dispatched with some style. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, two, three weeks ago now, back of bold. So um, yeah. it wasn't a perfect game. Uh, it was, uh, you know, comprehensive victory. Um, and yeah. it was a slightly depleted Utah team. They don't look like they're quite as serious as they were last season. Um, but they had, you know, Mikey Teo was out. They had Amika like, Cruiser was on the pitch as well. So this wasn't like not a good Utah team. But I think Austin made them look pretty average in the end.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what was, and I think it's as we'll continue to to touch on in the rest of this this episode. Um, it was a really dominant second half performance from the AGs. Um, and I believe that was the it was that game when Dom Akina came in and scored on his first touch. Um, and I think we're starting to we're starting to really see the the impact of of all this speed and fitness work that the AGs have been doing all offseason. And <laughs> I don't know that there's a better second half impact player in the league right now than Dom Akina. Yeah, absolutely. You're talking
1: about a guy who's probably the best athlete uh, in the MLR uh, at the moment and uh, has obviously taken my advice on board from one of our first <laughs> podcasts that we did where I said, I, I, my fear is that he wouldn't be confident. He might be hesitant and just not play his natural game. Clearly, he was listening. Clearly, he's taking <laughs> the board, and yeah, first touch of the ball, beautiful play. Turn uh, so f- he feigned to go up the middle, which made Mikey great. Teo turn his shoulders inside. And as soon as he saw Mikey Teo turn, Mike Mike Teo is a bit like an oil tanker. You know, he's not, yeah. he's not the most <laughs> nimble player. He's in a straight line, he's great, but once he has to turn, he's you know he's going to be on the back foot. And Dominique Inos saw about six inches of space between uh, the centers and head off on a 50-meter solo run to bring the crowd to their feet. It was amazing. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know that there's a guy in the league that you'd rather have the ball in their hands in open space like that. Well, so...
1: This, here's the thing, right? Marco O'Keefe would have done pretty much the same yeah. thing. You, you, or Conor Mooningham. Or Conor Mooneyham. You, there's, yeah. there's, I mean, the, I think has got that X factor. He's got that magic. You know, some people can just make things happen. Um, yeah. And, uh, he's got that in spades. And he must terrify people as well with his physicality, being an ex back row. Right. Um, well,
0: and and you, and you also have to think that. At this point, those guys are probably running on on half a tank, and Damaquina has got you know a full a full tank of gas as yes. soon as he comes onto the field. Plus, you throw in the nitrous that he just naturally has. Yeah, it was a yeah. it's a beautiful um, way to
1: to get onto the pitch uh, for him and and the, and the whole um, really. I mean, the whole backline is working so well this uh, this season. The the new faces seem to be playing as if they've been there all this time, yeah. and everyone's working well. I think I think Bryce Campbell is still the secret to that backline. I think he is still the guy that leads by from the front, and if he's there, everyone else is confident because they know mm-hmm. that you know wherever they should be and there aren't, they're not They're uh, not. They know Bryce Campbell is managing things keeping the defense tight and he's playing so well. He's like uh, a few weeks ago. He looks fitter. He looks faster. He's obviously reaped the benefits of the extra training. Um, He's such a good player. You can tell he's just calm and uh, (laughs) violent at the same time. Just a perfect crash ball 12.
0: You know what I, I, I noticed too is that the AG's back line, they look like they are much more confident in what they're doing. So there's just, that split second of hesitation that was there last year is not there. So they're just like, they are physically faster, but they're also playing faster because they're just going. It's almost like they're, they're playing on feel instead of overthinking everything, Exactly. Um, which, you know, which, which just is natural when you, when you spend a whole year playing together and then you bring back, you know, a lot of the core. Um, and then if it's just, I think a guy that I mean, he was just named the player of the month, um, a guy that can't be understated. His impact is Julian Dominguez. Um, after, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that guy literally runs like he's, you know, an, a test match level back rower with his physicality. Yeah. Di- Diego Mara Dominguez. as yeah. a, uh, he, the I
1: mean, I, I'm kind of conscious that I want to keep the the games in order. Uh, we started yeah. talking about Utah, but did you see um, the, the, <laughs> the ankle-breaker fend that uh, he put on footy for Seattle? It's one yeah. of my favourite moments yeah. of the season. It's just stood <laughs> him up, had him off balance, and then just went, geesh, woo, palmed him, yeah. sent him flying. It was yeah. beautiful, savage rugby. Right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, player of the month. Well-deserved. Um, the, uh, the, the, the work ethic that he's got is... the Good. Probably the most impressive part of his game. He's always looking for work. He's always offering himself yeah. up. He's, he uh, even after Manu Samoa uh, absolutely flattened him when he tried to come come up inside Mac mm-hmm. uh, Mason uh, for Seattle. Got up, brushed himself off, and was still doing his Energizer Bunny routine, looking for work uh, for the rest of the match. Yeah, uh, great attitude, brilliant player. Uh, what a signing!
0: Yeah, he, he and Marco Keith both, and you know what? They both have that that spark where it's like someone gets a shot in on them, but it's like their legs just keep pumping. You know, they just never really stop. You, you, they are not going down until they are officially taken to the ground, usually by two guys and held down. Yeah, and uh, rabid dogs, uh, and both.
1: So uh, effective on both sides of the ball as well. So what I've noticed yeah. uh, is a definite tactic I've spotted now, where Ryan Lawrence is shortening his box kicks to mm. give the chasers, you know, the timing to hit the man as soon as he gets the ball. And if you've got Dominguez with the, like a thirty-yard run up at you, at full tilt timing that, yeah. game you are going to wow. have, you're, you're, yeah, <laughs> good luck keeping both eyes yeah. on the ball when all you can hear in the background is. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, exactly yeah. moments like that. I'm glad I'm not a professional rugby player. Quite frankly,
0: I almost, uh, I almost, I'm gonna have to double check myself on Google Translate. But yeah, I almost, I almost uh, feel like we could nickname Julian Dominguez uh, El Caballo, which okay. is Spanish for which is Spanish for the horse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay as long as that would be uh, uh taken as a compliment because yeah you know, i mean he he runs like a he runs like a racehorse he does he's got he's, he's something of a thoroughbred about him isn't there definitely yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. El- uh,
0: fair enough Ohio, yeah um yeah no so that that was all in all that was that was fantastic to to take down utah that's um that was a like I said a monkey on our back. Yes, um, took took that into the following week for our first road game of the season, going up to Seattle against the three and O Sea Wolves um, with a with a rocking nighttime home crowd, and the AGs really weathered a first half storm from. Seattle and and came out once again in the second half and just grabbed control of the game. They they did give Seattle a, a you know a late losing bonus point, but at the moment it doesn't look like other teams are you know even within reaching distance right now of the AGs. So um, don't think that will come to play too much by the end of the season. Um, but man, what another great performance! Yeah. Well, the
1: the season is... They couldn't have planned the season any better in terms of progressively getting harder or the challenges Mm -hmm. more difficult. So like I say, the first road game, uh, we went to Starfire last year and uh, won a close... Uh, yeah. match. it was try 36-31 or something like that Yeah uh, a, a massive hit from Dom Akina stopped uh, Rika uh, Hatting scoring what yeah. might have been the match winner um, so uh, a couple of things um, going back to the Utah game mm-hmm. Utah had played Seattle I think two weeks before and yeah. the Utah scrum had bitch slapped Seattle scrum all over the park <laughs> and so uh, both I think not only Both of the Utah props were MLR Team of the Week, but I think uh, America's Rugby News had both of Utah's tight heads as joint tight head of the week for the demolition job that they had done on Seattle. So imagine how happy I was when Austin wiped the floor with the Utah scrum effectively and just pulled them around all over the place. Um, uh, That was Jake Turnbull, the Bull, and, yeah. uh, uh, and, uh, Wah as well, the war ensemble, I'm thinking of naming that front row, cause it was awesome. <laughs> nice. So when, when we walked up at Seattle, uh, all the talk was about the Seattle back row. Um, the captain Hatting has, was, yeah. uh, MLR team of the week, number eight for the first three weeks. Um, and all the, you know, a lot of the online commentators were basically bigging up the back row saying how brilliant they are. Uh, Nakai Penny was excellent. Um, but um, we didn't really see anything of Hatting because he was too busy in uh, Mike DeWall's back pocket. I mm-hmm. uh, haven't watched the game a few <laughs> times, put together my, my piece. And like I said in my, my match uh, report, um, DeWall won't get any of the MLR Team of the Week, not that Hatting will get all season, but we didn't hear a peep out of Hatting, because yep. Mike DeWall just had him tucked so far in his back pocket. <laughs> you can hardly see him. It was brilliant. Uh, yeah. Our back row, was one of the best team within a team performances from our back row in that game, not only to nullify uh, the Seattle back row, uh, but also to manage the, the whole game as it, as it went along. And yeah, as you were saying, second half, it was cold and icy conditions, which you'd think for a um, an Austin team would be, you know, uh, just com- completely alien right. to them. But thanks to uh, Austin winters this season. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we've evolved. Exactly. <laughs> well prepped for cold weather. Uh, handling was good. Um, the yep. uh, Yeah, I mean, the... The way they just came out and took control. Dominguez scored after what ninety seconds from the kickoff in the second half. Um, uh, Again, a a really simple try for him. He must be loving it. Uh, Just, I think at least, I think two of his tries have basically been just flopping over the line, not believing his luck at how well he's been set up. Um, uh, and yeah, I had Cam Dodson as my man of the match. I know Ryan Lawrence got the uh, the official man of the match, and he did play brilliantly. His his tactical yeah. kicking is amazing. He's he's getting a lot of comments around uh, the, the league for his bodybuilder appearance, but really, he <laughs> really should be getting like comments yeah. for playing unbelievably well. Um, but I gave my man of the match to Cam Dodson, who was massive. His first start of the season. Banker ball in the lineouts, stole loads of their ball, harried, hassled. Um, yeah. My favourite moment, I have to mention this. Uh, uh, it was some point early in the second half where it was uh, an Austin lineout, and JP Smith, the Seattle scrum half, tried to bump. Oh. Tried to bump Hugh Roach out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh Roach just shrugged and sent him. Flying. It was hilarious. Scrum half, Yeah, I saw that. That should, was funny. Should know better than trying to bump out uh. Hook I like he
0: wrote he wrote he uh he's he's like a, a prickly he's a prickly guy out there. Yeah. He, um, and
1: that's what you want from your front rowers, yeah. right? I mean he's yeah, there was, he's there was a classic two, hooker times last season where he was uh, he spoke to the referees so well. He was so calm and so polite. And you just knew that he had it all together. <laughs> and then he would just go off and be an absolute head case. Yeah, and, uh, he's he's and... just an, an
0: Eddie Haskell.
1: Yeah. And uh the the, the yeah. battle that he's got with
0: um uh with Robbie Cotier, it's just gonna be oh, amazing. I mean, like I mean Yeah, and then and then to and then to also have Mason Mason Cook in the, in the mix as well. I mean that's three Guys, I could go MLR team of the week on any given week. So that's just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I, I mean, I. I remember at the start of last season, after the first three games, I remember thinking I thought that I preferred Mason uh, as a as, as a hooker, but Roach. oh, Mason Cook, yeah, yeah, um, all energy lively he looked like he was playing with a smile on his face as well which i always I always love from uh, my yeah. forward forwards because it's such a such a tough physical um uh position if you've got someone that plays with a smile on their face while they're doing it you know that they've just got the right attitude for 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 the yeah. best. Um but yeah but he's going to have his hands full trying to get past Robbie Coates here and uh, Hugh Roach because i don't think I don't think there's any other hookers in the league that I would swap for either of those two guys, um, the way that they're playing at the moment. Um, so, yeah, yeah, good luck trying to get the starting jersey
0: off either of those two. Right. Well, I mean, they're both two guys with significant, Robbie especially, significant uh, super rugby experience. Um, Hugh, I think, even has almost 20 caps for the Taz. So, um, yeah, no, he's the
1: record holder, the most capped Aussie under 20s player. Or the joint most capped, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, and he was um, uh, great against LA again. Uh, the, I love his his line out tail peels. Oh, and I know a couple against Seattle where. Um, um, uh, Mason Peterson was at the back of the, the tail and just popped the ball up for Hugh Roach coming around the end of the charge and you could see the, um, the uh, Alatimu the fly half's eyes were like yeah. saucers watching Hugh <laughs> Roach with flames coming out of his nostrils Yeah, yeah that's brilliant that's the rugby we, we like to see
0: He, he uh, the way Hugh Roach runs you know obviously not um, on the same quite on the on the same Level because I don't think anyone is, but it's it, similar type of running and, and stature ability as uh, Sam Simmons from Exeter. Okay. That, yeah. You know, that like kind of shorter, explosive, fast, kind of bow legged type of runner that, that's tough to bring down. Yeah. Obviously, Sam Simmons is arguably the best runner in the world, but um, he wrote, you know, I, it has that similar type of of um, dynamic ability as a as a forward with ball in hand. Yeah, and uh, he, I believe I'm right when
1: I remember. I think he got the forward of the year award at the uh, the AG's uh, club awards last mm-hmm. season, and yeah, thoroughly really deserved. He put in some yeah. some incredible performances, and yeah, I would want to tackle him. I mean, I didn't like yeah. <laughs> tackling at the best time anyway, but um, uh, he's, I mean, so that, that front row, the unit, Turnbull, Roach and War at the moment, I just think that's, you know, if, if you, if you, if you win games from the forwards, then you want your front row to be the linchpin of your forwards. And I don't think there's a better front row in the MLR at the moment. I'm trying to, I think we've taken down all of the, the, the big guns at this point. I think Atlanta's front row
0: might be useful as well. But, um, yeah, that I mean, that'll just, be a, interesting. New York is, uh, New York and New England. I know have two very strong, tight uh, vibes as well. But. So, so that'll be the litmus test really when we, if we can keep everyone right. fit and healthy and firing
1: and, and take those guys down as well. Um, yeah. I, I don't know who, uh, I don't know what's going on in the back row at the moment. I know uh, Luke Beecham looked very injured after the last game, um, but mm. but Lockie McCaffrey is someone else that we must talk about.
0: Yeah, well, you know what I I notice about Lockie McCaffrey, um, I think there are some obvious things like he's a wildly skilled for a forward, um, and he also plays like you know he he's like the type of guy that could be in the, you know, in the midst of a hurricane and not be panicking at all, you know, and just having a casual conversation and, you know, driving just on the edge of the hurricane with no, with no qualms about him. Um, you just watch him in the middle of the chaos. It's like, he's not flustered or worried at all. um, like a nice kind of almost a, 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 calming presence in a sense. Yeah. Um,
1: there was a, the camera went to him in the changing room at halftime, uh, against LA and he was, very calmly putting forward yeah. a, a suggestion to solve a problem that they were having. It sounded like he was, uh, uh, uh you know, a PTA meeting or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very calm, very, no, no problem. No, you try this? Yeah. 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 And then who knows, who knows what the problem was. It might've been, yeah, you know, the second row keeps smacking me in the face, <laughs> but I don't think it would have mattered. Yeah. It would have just been the same kind of calm. Oh, uh, try try putting your guard yeah. up a little bit higher. But um, <laughs> he played large games, uh, large periods of the game against LA at the first receiver fly half position. Yeah, um, no, he's just yeah,
0: he is just a um, he is just a, a confident confident man out there with no no very low low stress levels when he's playing.
1: Yep, high skill levels, low stress. I, I mean, I mm-hmm. imagine because he's he spent time in the UK. I think he was at Leicester when he was in the UK and that is an absolute bare pit of a, an environment <laughs> for a rugby player. I think right. Seb de Chavez uh, spent time there as well. So um, both players who I think will find the MLR environment mm-hmm. not as intimidating as many other players. And you need that, you need that calm, cool, you know, when you're in the heat of battle, you just to look up and see that someone is un unflustered, unfazed, and
0: that's right throughout the team, right? Um, Yeah, and something I noticed about Lockie as well is it's going, and I think it's going to really pay off late in the season when we're playing like tense playoff must-win games, is he's very good at around the goal line um, manufacturing tries you know just something's like that one he scored against Seattle just quick thinking just kind of pick and go right off the back of the rock kind of waited until the defense was not paying attention and then snuck one in and I've seen him do that uh last year as well where it's just like sometimes it's really tough to score down the goal line um and you have to get a little creative mm. and he gives that extra edge which you know those additional Whatever, four to five points, you know, you get a game from that can uh, can make the difference in in the tight ball games late in the season. So, I think that's something to look out for. Watch watch him around the goal line. Yeah, it's very he's very crafty.
1: Absolutely, he's uh, cerebral. Because I when he came first came to the last season, I thought he was just a big bruising number eight, mm-hmm. which I knew we needed. So I was like, yay, we've got a big massive yeah. animal <laughs> at number eight. But uh, straight away, he's obviously a much smarter player, much more talented player than just your, your ball up the jumper, um, back rower, crash ball kind of guy. Um, but I think with with um, with him in the in the team now, we've got the 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 luxury of having uh, Mike DeWall to yeah. you know if if Beecham. And he, he didn't look like he was going to be coming back for a while. He looked like it was a really serious knee injury or something. Jeez, um, so yeah. for, to have Mike Duhal available to take that seven shirt, which he did brilliantly against LA, um, yep. I think is the kind of depth, uh, quality of depth that wins championships. You know, There's yeah. a lot of good cool. sides that are suddenly very average teams if they lose right. two or three players. Um, I think we've we've got... A uh, squad depth now where we can afford, we can absorb, you know, the, the injuries that will come over the season because it's a very traditional right. sport. Um, I think
0: what. And, and I mean, you've got um, McLean Jones, who, you know, at some point you would think will come back. I'm, I'm not totally sure what his status is. Yeah, it was a knee injury. It was his uh,
1: ligament, wasn't it? So yeah. I mean, in theory, he should come back okay, but. Uh, obviously, with the uh, people were raving about the the support and the medical team, so I'm sure they know exactly what they're doing. And he's not going to come back a minute before he's ready. Right, right.
0: And <laughs> but then uh, you know they've also got um, Kyle Breitenbach has been fantastic mm-hmm. this season and just gone quiet. Like you said, our back row is not the noisiest, biggest MLR team of the week back row, but they work exceptionally well together, and they all. Um, have performed extremely well. Kyle being one of those. Um, Cam Dodson can play back row. He, he's he's um, yeah. very comfortable at eight and and uh, six. And then, like, if they really got into a pinch, Dom Akina has got plenty of experience in the back row. Oh, as he, Well, yeah, he actually
1: finished the LA game in the back row, I think, because they uh, right? once they took Beecham off. I think they, they had yeah. Martina on the bench maybe, or someone that was, mm-hmm. they wanted to bring on so just obviously Dom happy as yeah. pig in poo playing in the, <laughs> in the back row. So yeah. And uh, I mean, again, Sam Harris, uh, um, Mark Gerard must be so happy about the options yeah. that the, the Swiss army knife squad that they have
0: at yeah, the moment. Which when, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, even, uh, and then even you have, um, Uh, our guy, Campbell Robinson, um, he plays back row as well as second row. And then, you know, Asa Carter's been getting some time in the back row. And Asa is a guy that has got, I mean, heaps and heaps of, of potential as, as very, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, Mo from who's left us to go to Dallas, um, as just like a Wizard over the ball, was a Jackler. Right, yeah. No, he looked. He had uh, sort of ten minutes,
1: fifteen minutes at the end of the Utah game. I bought. Yeah, uh, but yeah, looked you know to the manner born, full of energy. wasn't phased, and uh, yeah, so lots of uh, quality players in depth. I mean, there are there are probably <laughs> handfuls of players I, I I've never seen or heard of. They will drift in and out of the squad over the season. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't um you know seen half of the players that played so well uh um
0: like you know um LeRome White we haven't seen him so far so, so Lerome actually um i believe makes is making his um full contact return either this week or last week so amazing okay yeah cuz he you know he had that um horrible knee injury against or oh, was it old glory? Yeah. I think last year, mm-hmm. um, final game of the year. So I think Lerome is finally, um, ready to start playing again. Uh,
1: yeah. Amazing. So, um, don't, don't
0: rush Rome.
1: Take it easy. Yeah. Make sure you're I mean, ready. Don't do anything. Don't rush Brad. We want you for
0: the next 10 years. So yeah. please say. easy. How frightening is this? How frightening is this for the rest of the league? Seb De Chavez hasn't even started playing yet.
1: Yeah, and uh, he's going to have his hands full as well, trying to get back into the team. Because um, so Isaac Ross has been uh, well, it's yeah, great. It's- he was. I have. I mean, I, I know. I'm not sure where we were in terms of the games we were talking about, but against LA, um, he was in a really bad mood. Someone must have been niggling him. He, he was not happy. He, he wasn't was. standing for it quite right. Yeah, too. he wasn't on your own turf. You don't, you know, you don't let teams come onto your own park and push you about. But uh, to watch him throttle someone, I think with Angus Cottrell in the headlock, take him off the ball completely. <laughs> I thought <Yeah>. he was <laughs> genuinely going to pop his head clean off his shoulders.
0: Yep. Well, when you're when you're a uh, nine time All Black, I don't think you take any any crap on the field, no matter who it is. Well, and yeah, it's and, not it's not in your DNA. <laughs> and I think. LA's whole
1: tactic was trying to put the, the niggle in and try and off uh, upset yeah. and put people off. And, and to be fair, it worked pretty well in the first half. Like as yeah. as a tactic, as it is, you know, if you, as with any tactic, if you employ it correctly, it usually bears fruit. And, uh, you know, the nine nil scoreline, cause I so I was out and about, and I couldn't watch the game and, um, uh, I think my friend texted me and I said, what's going on? And he said, nine nil at half time. It's not great. It's pretty rubbish match. And I was like, sounds like a good one to have missed. Um, and then obviously the second half exploded into life. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, Got it. Immediately. Um, yeah. I think it was the first five minutes of the second half. We marched down, kicked a penalty and then um, had that, that overthrown line out. Well, the first of two, I think where, um, he Roach, just like a bull yeah. running down the streets of Pamplona. Yeah, just downhill,
1: must aggressive, angry. Must have, again, like the fly half. Must have just been thinking, why, why does my team do this to me? <laughs> why, why, am I having to tackle this guy at full tilt? Yeah, he must have doubled his yardage stats off those two overthrow lineouts uh, alone. Yeah. Um, the what do you think, Sam Harris says at time? Do you think he's got magic words?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I think, I think Sam. Um, it seems like he's he's not a uh, a panicky guy at all. He's he's very he's very level headed, um, but still like it, it's it's level headed, but it's like kind of still that kick in the ass. Um, and so it's like you know, kind of get your shit together, but you know, we don't have to completely deviate from who we are and, and, you know, throw all sorts of caution to the wind and, and try to, you know, play some style that's not AG rugby. Um, and I thought that in the first half, they, we moved the ball well and had a lot of gained a lot of meters and had a lot of territory and weren't, you just weren't capitalizing, um, Age, like you said, L.A. was getting niggly and, and a few times turned us over on penalties for for discipline uh, down inside their 22. And I think Sam Harris probably just told the guys to kind of tighten up the discipline and, and to stick with uh, to keep our foot on the gas and continue playing downhill and taking the game to L.A. And that eventually they would wear down and... Ultimately, that's just totally what happened. They they didn't have the depth or the talent um, or the fitness that AG has. And over the course of 80 minutes, it was just a matter of time until the levy was going to break, just like it did against Utah and just like it, it did against Seattle.
1: Yeah, that's, I wonder if that's like um, a subconscious thing where the team thinks, let's just go in the first half, take them on not get too excited, see what happens yeah. because we know that we're just going to come out firing in the second half and, and blow them away. And yeah. I, I don't think any team's got the firepower to do enough damage in the first half uh, for Austin to mm. not see that as a good It's not a tactic, but it's like an, an attitude, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I remember I played in an under-18s game, um, when I was under 18, not recently, obviously, (laughs) I didn't go on as a uh, ancient ringer, but it was a Pontypreet youth, uh, a Pontypreet side that would go on to have over 150 full Welsh caps, and Uh 10 Lions caps. Uh, Martin Williams, Nugget was playing number eight for them. They had Lee Jarvis playing 10, and I spent the entire afternoon watching Kevin, um, the Blade, Time. Kevin Morgan playing fullback just running through our back line for fun. <laughs> but it was it was, it was like 12 9 at half time. Yeah. And we were thinking, this is great. We're going to, you know, we've got a chance Are here. You? And they put 60 points, 70 points past us in the second half alone because really? they just, they, you could just see they were just warming up in the first half, right. just sort of sounding us out. And then I remember seeing. Looking Lee Jarvis's face the first time he got the ball in the second half, he just had that right, let's go to work, let's get this done. Yeah, and just a, an avalanche of tries. Um, so I've always been conscious of that as a tactic if you've got it in your arsenal, and I think this AGS right. team have that. I think they've, they've proved it like come out second yeah. half, blow teams away with you know three or four tries in 20 minutes, and then just see out the rest of the game, um, without um, you see.
0: Yeah, you see, you see, um, New Zealand has been doing that forever. You know, you, they get to that. It's like, you see, it feels like the New Zealand usually hits it at like the 60 minute mark. Um, AGs have been kind of coming out hot in the second half, but it's almost that like just beat them and beat them and beat them and beat them. And then eventually it's like they're going to crack.
1: Yeah. And um, to be fair, They've done it effectively against, I mean, you've got to think, LA, Utah, and Seattle. I mean, Seattle weren't great last season, but they've won it twice and they were undefeated up until they played the AG. So if not the top three teams, three of the top five, let's say, they've done it against and it's worked worked beautifully. So uh, you said New York uh, and New England are obviously other big teams play. I think Atlanta also are going to be yeah. a conversation. It'd be interesting to see if they, like I, said, I don't think it's a tactic, but it seems to be a style. It seems to be a recurring theme. It'd be interesting to see whether that carries on um, against Atlanta uh, or whether, um, uh, you know, the coaches are going to say that that's what they're expecting. They're going to expect that. So let's go out and hit them early and blitzkrieg them straight out the gate. Uh, and let them deal with you know having a 15, 20 point um, deficit going into halftime. Oh, fascinating yeah. stuff!
0: They're very fascinating, and and I think that's a good good segue into kind of you know previewing this this weekend's matchup, uh, heading to what is known as the Snake Pit in Atlanta, where uh, Rugby ATL has been a really really formidable over the past um two and a half seasons that obviously two years ago it was cut short. But um yeah, ATL rare, rarely loses at home. I think they're they've lost twice at home in the last two years and both were to New York. So wow. um really really tall task ahead of ahead of the AGs. But but I think this is going to be a, a game where, you know, win or lose. I think they're going to grow a lot out of this because this will be the first time they're taking on a forward pack that if you've watched Atlanta this season, their forward pack is just dominated. And they win, you know, by dominant scrum, dominant mall. Um, they play really fast rugby smash over the advantage line. Um you know, good good ball movement from their back line. So this so will be a tester and I think um, for the first time we might see some some minor flaws exposed in the AGs, which at this point in the season I think is good.
1: Yeah. It's exactly what you want really. Like the the way the the, the season the challenges yeah. have mounted each game is it started off, quite easy is not the right word, but it's a nice gentle yeah. loosener. Next game's harder, next game's harder again. We've just beaten the reigning champs, LA, mm-hmm. who you know were depleted really and haven't been playing brilliantly this season. So right. I think now is when you want like a, like a heavyweight boxer. If you're any yeah. good, you won't challenge for any titles until you're like 18, 19 fights in but yeah. that's when you want to be at your absolute <laughs> peak, right? You want to be right. risen to each challenge and yeah, bring it on. We've got you know, we, we've got to play everyone twice, right? So bring on Atlanta now. I think we're in as good a position. I, I don't know what the injury situation is, but Will McGee was playing like a dream at FlyHouse. Yeah. Yeah. Incidentally, you got a shout out. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Nope. Someone was online. Uh, talking talking about the, the build-up to the LA game. Uh, they said Matt Mason's injured and Austin don't really have any 10 cover. Don't know why they haven't called up other guys like Alex Reese to, like, <laughs> to fill in the breach. Mm. So, you know, I, I'm like, wow,
0: you're on the radar, mate. You might get, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, I um, appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> 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 but yeah, now I'm too... Yeah, bogged down with the um, professional working life. It's you know, it's the ags. It, it, that is something I can say from experience now is that the ags. Um, when I played on the team a couple of years ago, you know, you could kind of swing it to do a full time job and then kind of show up early in the mornings and and make it work for. AG's rugby, um, but at this point they are so professional now. They are training a lot; like it's a all day. It's a full time job. Yeah. Um, and there's guys, and there are guys. Credit to um, guys like Campbell Robinson, um, mm-hmm. who work a lot of hours per week. And and um, Nick Taylor is another guy. I know I'm missing some, but yeah, they work full time. And then show up, I think, maybe two days a week for, for AGs and then, you know, get thrust into action. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's pretty intense grind. And personally, I, I, you know, I don't have the, I just don't have the bandwidth to, to do it to the best of my abilities now. And if, if I was Johnny Wilkinson or somebody that could show up two days a week, you know, yeah. still be the best player on the field. It'd be one thing, but. You know, I'm not. I would have to be all in to to be able to compete at that level. Um,
1: That's fair enough. If if Sam Harris is listening, uh, the offer is still there from me, Sam. If you need someone that's too small and not good enough, I'm your man. I'm happy to come along. (laughs) I wouldn't do two days a week. I might might come in on like a Thursday afternoon just before the game, Uh, but as long as Sam would be
0: cool with that, I'm happy to play. Um. But yeah, I mean, who needs it? Who needs an extra flyout, Alex, when uh, Will McGee's playing like he is?
1: Yeah, just and so we knew he was good, and we knew he was like a capable player. He's an international, and mm-hmm. it was just lovely to see him throwing the ball around. Uh, um, just beautiful, slick handling. His kicking was great. Um, I. I started this season thinking that with all the new faces and new personnel, would, it, would they everyone bet in? Would they be happy and natural playing with each other? And I kind of had that same feeling when I heard that Matt Mason was out and Will McGee was going to be playing 10. I was like, oh, okay. So another week where they have to try and get used to each other. It looked like he played there all season. Yeah. He, was, um, he was slightly outplayed by his opposite man old man uh, IE who played yeah. for a 42 year old he's got a to yeah. siege cannon boot uh, His passing let him down um for uh, when Akina intercepted and, and hacked it through for Mooneyhound's second try. But that's literally the only foot he put wrong all match. So yeah. it's a good game for, for for connoisseurs of fly half play. Um, but um, uh, I wanted to talk about Chris Matina as well. I knew I was going to forget someone. So his first game uh, against uh, Utah. It was good. It was good. It was his MLR debut for Austin. um he was kind of didn't do anything wrong, looked a bit hesitant. A few things didn't quite work for him, but he was a solid kind of, yeah, it was good. Um, and then against Seattle, he played lights out. He was amazing. He had played uh, amazing. He play all 80, right? Sorry? He played all 80 against Seattle, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And counterattacking, tactical kicking. The, the It was wet, cold, freezing conditions, exactly the conditions you do not want. Uh, to start playing kick tennis against. You're trying to catch the ball when your hands are frozen yeah. and, and wet. Um, uh, he saved his houses, caught everything, returned with interest, set up. I think it was Lockie's try he set up uh, with the counterattack run. And, yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. Because uh, he was kind of in Marcel Bracky's shadow after Bracky's first two performances. Yeah, of course. Um, and Maybe that's what kind of subdued him a little bit against Utah, but against Seattle. Honestly, like I, no, I thought he was, I didn't quite get my man of the match award, but he was in that conversation.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, am excited. It's just the the depth is is outstanding, and it's um, it's only going to become more important as the as the games roll on and the competition gets stiffer and more entries happen. You know, other teams will start finding their stride, but. You know, I think something that is really important for the AGs too is getting off to this really hot start because I think six of our first eight games are at home, which means that uh, six of our last eight are on the road. Right. So ra- so it's going to get really tough down the stretch. So racking up as many points now as possible is, is going to be key because eventually we won't be... Had the comfy confines of Bold Stadium. Yeah, well, there's not going to be too many
1: teams who'll put 22 points past LA this season. So I think we did ourselves yeah. like a favour. Um, so is it like a was it like an 18 point margin of victory? I don't know whether it comes down to uh, margins of victory, but we did. Considering we you know, had a hundred point in the in the four column after the first two matches, yeah. I think putting 22 points past LA. 22, yeah. something like that. I think that's 22-9. 22-9, 20, nine. Nine. okay. So I think that's as good as any team's going to get against LA this season. Yeah. So uh, yep. I think we've taken full advantage. Um, Seattle are going to be a handful for everyone else as well. So I don't... Obviously, they got that last-minute try, which kind of made it slightly closer, and they got a losing bonus point out of it as well. But, yeah, um, I mean, you know, there's... There's not too many teams that are going to beat Seattle, much less, um, beat them at their place. Um, right. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the W and I won't whinge about, um, giving away. It wasn't a, an easy try because it was a massive South African second row on the charge from like a 10 meter run up. So yeah. that's not, a, that's not a soft score. That's as hard as it gets. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so. yeah I think we're yeah it sounds like it's going to be a tough end of the season but we've done we do well on the road we always do well on the road you know I think even last season when we were only kind of fully formed we weren't quite baked as a as a, as a unit we still went to Seattle one in Seattle yeah uh, One of- at San Diego yeah. last year yeah smacked San Diego all over the place as well so yeah I can't wait to see how Chris Robshaw gets on because he didn't play yeah. in that game um, and I want to see the world's leading 6.5 um, tackle uh, uh,
0: Mike D'Avall and, and the lads, okay. right? Um, but uh, quick, I think a quick, quick stat we can end on, Alex. Uh, Austin this season through five games has a points difference of one hundred and fifteen. The next highest team in the league, points difference wise, is Atlanta. And their points difference is forty. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, I mean, that would
1: all. Dep- I'm sure maybe Atlanta had like a really tough first couple of games. if they had to play like.
0: Sure, yeah, they, they've played um, Rooney, Sabercats, Cats, Nola, and Old Glory. Yes. Um, All glory and Dallas are on a collision course towards the wooden spoon this year. Wow. Do you know what? I think um, speaking of uh, going back to an Austin tip quickly,
1: I was having a talk online with someone saying, I can't believe Ned Hodgson isn't the nailed on starting uh, center for Dallas. Mm. Um, because he played so well for Austin last season when he got his chances right. and then he did the hold, he came, I know uh, Dallas were on the end of an absolute tonking from Utah <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> Ned came on in the second half and scored two quick tries like amazingly well Yeah, and hopefully he's got his Dallas career off the ground now because he is a brilliant right. player he is a proper proper handful in the centre and yeah I can't believe he won the starting centre from Dallas from the beginning uh, but hopefully he will be now so good luck Ned like you but please play crap against Austin.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Alex, uh, what's not crap is the rugby slate ahead of us this weekend. As we mentioned, Austin Huns, Austin Blacks, Austin Darby, Austin Huns Field, Nixon Lane, Saturday, D3 plays at 12, D2 plays at 2, And the D1s will play at 3.30. You can also catch the Austin Valkyries hosting San Antonio here. um, Also at Nixon Lane. I believe they kick off at 10.30. And then the big one, probably a game of the week in the MLR, Austin Gilgroni's traveling down to Atlanta to take on Rugby ATL at the Snake Pit. Um, Should be a really good one. Um, Alex, my brother, will be playing for ATL, I'm um, local Austin guy. So we'll get a little um, get a little Austin reunion going on there. Nice. And
1: yeah, you, if you're not traveling down to watch uh, the AGs in Atlanta, get yourself to some local rugby and uh, hopefully out in the sunshine with a beer. Uh, get some barbecue on
0: the go as well. Can't beat it. It's what rugby's all about. Exactly. Beers, barbecue, and the best people in the country. That's going to be it here for the Austin Rugby Supporters Podcast, Episode 4. We will not be on such a long break. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Alex, can't wait to talk about this AG's potential win next week with you. Absolutely. Take it easy,
1: then. See
0: you next time.